chapter 9. It's a lengthy reading, but uh, please follow along in your Bibles, beginning with verse number 17. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. Now, let's just stop right here. Uh, this is a bad translation, I'm just telling you. It was good in 1611. It's bad in 2017. Because what dumb meant in 1611 is not what dumb means in 2017. So it wasn't that this boy had a dumb spirit. The word actually meant mute. He has a spirit that is not allowing him to have the ability to speak. He's mute, all right? So I didn't want any of you to take this verse and go home and tell your kids, see, I've been telling you you're dumb. And now we know you got a dumb spirit. We need to cast it out of you. That's, no, that's, that's not it, all right? So, so let's, let's clarify that from the start. One of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, that is, wherever the spirit that is in my son decides my son's going to go, then he will do it. And he teareth him. And he, the boy, gnasheth, foameth, and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answered him, that is Jesus, answered the father and said, Oh, faithless generation. Now, I want to be careful here, but look, he answered him. Mark says he answered the father, but he's not really speaking about the father. He may be speaking to the father, but he's making sure the other guys around him hear what he's saying. He said, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. That was for his disciples' sake. Because the man said your disciples couldn't cast him out. Jesus said there's a faith problem here. So verse 20, they brought him unto him, and when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him and fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. Oh, Jesus, I've got to preach this message. I can't just say everything that's coming into my mind tonight, but I will tell you this. The devil loves attention. And sometimes your greatest tool against the devil is to ignore him. Some of you get some temptation that is just working you over and I'm going to tell you what you need to do. Get your mind on something else. You sit and dwell on it, you're going to end up giving in to it. So, so you take control of your thoughts and ignore that devil. Well, I'm teaching tonight, so... I hope you're receiving. Praise God. The devil loves attention. I and I know you're standing, but I remember, you may have heard this story. Elder Dave was talking about being in the Philippines one night. And he had preached, I think, three or four times that day. Went into his room, was lying in the bed, 
felt this uneasiness, opened his eyes and said he literally saw a black figure hovering over him and he knew it was a demonic spirit. And this is what the elder said. He said, I looked up and said, devil, I am too tired to mess with you tonight. You just go away. And he said, I closed my eyes and went to sleep. You know, I mean, we can get up and, and, and start fighting and, 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 and all of that, but all we're doing is giving the devil attention. Sometimes we just need to ignore him. Well, all right. Sermon number one or two or whatever we're at at this point. Um, verse 21, and he asked his father, that is Jesus asked this boy's father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire, into the waters, to destroy him. That's not unusual, is it? The thief cometh but for to steal and to kill and to... That's what the devil wants. It's his goal. If he can destroy you, he's happy. Oh, he's trying to destroy this child. But the father said, if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. If you can do anything at all. Now, look, I know you're standing. I know you're standing. Why don't you be seated? Because I don't know if I'll get through this text tonight. Just so you don't sit down in spirit, all right? I want you to stay with me. I hope you're feeling what I'm feeling here tonight. But he said, if thou canst do anything. Why did he say that to Jesus? It's really pretty simple. Because he's already had him. He's taken his son to the disciples. And they could not do anything. So he's already been through this process once. And nothing happened. And that kind of destroys faith. Hello? Let's be honest. We come down for prayer, nothing happens. And then something happens. Not the healing we hoped for. Not the miracle we looked for. But what happens as a result of not getting an answer right then is our faith begins to diminish. Can we be honest? That's what's happened to this daddy. He's in a desperate situation. He took the boy to the preachers. And they couldn't help the boy. And so now his faith is already reeling. His faith is already on the precipice of just giving up. Now obviously he's got a little bit of faith or he wouldn't keep trying. But I'm just telling you, for him to look at Jesus and say, if you can do anything. At this point, he didn't know. He wasn't sure. But there was a flicker of hope. Just maybe. Just maybe. I'll get what I need tonight. So, he said, Lord, if if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Verse 23, Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. 
Look, we've got to understand context. Jesus has already made it clear to this father and to his disciples the reason they couldn't do it was a lack of faith. So he says to the man, I want you to understand it can be done. If you can believe, the sky is the limit. If you can believe, everything is possible to the one that believes. Verse 24, and straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. See, there's that ray, that little flicker of hope. Lord, I do believe, but I've got to be honest. I'm struggling right now because we've already tried it and it didn't work. But I do believe, I do believe down deep inside that there is still hope for my boy. Just help this unbelief. There may not have been any unbelief when he first brought him. But the fact that nothing had happened created it if it wasn't there or made it worse if it was. But either way, he was honest about the situation. Lord, I do believe but I've got to tell you, in the midst of that belief, there's also some unbelief. And I'm asking you to help that. If the key to getting what I want is belief, then get rid of all of this unbelief because I need this miracle right now. Now look, I'm not repeating what I heard myself say on recording the other night because I didn't get to tune in until about halfway through or more. So I don't even know what I said in the opening of the message. I'm just telling you what I'm feeling right now, all right? I, I, I'm trying to convey to you a principle. I want you to understand something tonight. Jesus said, if you believe, all things are possible. So the man said, Lord, if the key is belief, then I want you to look inside my heart and I want you to get rid of every ounce of unbelief that's there because I need a miracle right now. Verse 25, when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, you dumb and deaf spirit, now, maybe he did mean stupid in this case. I don't know, but no. Because no. he wasn't talking to the boy. He's talking to the devil. Thou dumb and deaf spirit, or you mute and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and gave it his parting shot. Before I get out of here, I'm going to do as much damage as possible. Kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? Before I leave, I'm going to tear up as many things as I can tear up. Well, hallelujah. Um, that's what the devil did. He knew he had to go. He knew he could not withstand the spoken word of God. He couldn't. He couldn't fight against it. He had no choice but to leave. 
So he said, I'm going to give it one parting shot. And the spirit rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Well, hallelujah. And the father got what he needed. In spite of some unbelief that had been there. I'm going to tell you, I believe the Lord not only cast out the devil. I believe the Lord cast out the unbelief. Because he saw the sincerity. And oh Lord Jesus, I feel this so strong tonight. He saw the sincerity and the desperation of that daddy. And he said, you do need a miracle. You're exactly right. So I'm not only going to cast a devil out, I'm going to cast unbelief out. I wish God would do that around here tonight. I'd love for God to reach down in our hearts and take a hold of every ounce of unbelief that's present in this house and throw it out and say, don't ever come back again. Ah, my, 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 my. Oh, Jesus. I don't care if I don't get through the notes tonight. I'm just telling you, God wants to stir up some faith in this house. God wants us to get a revelation tonight. He's ready to start doing more miracles than we've ever dreamed. God's ready for this to be a miracle house. But he's looking for somebody that'll be honest and say, all right, God, I've tried it. It didn't work. That's brought about unbelief. But would you take that out of me tonight? I do believe. I know. I know what you can do. And I know what you said you would do. I'm telling you I'm telling you if somebody get a hold of what I'm saying right now you'd get a miracle setting where you are Lord I believe but help my unbelief get this out of me take it away from me Lord I don't want to live with it anymore Oh, God, I don't see how I'm going to get through this tonight. <sighs> Hallelujah. Let's just praise him again. Let's praise him again. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm telling you, whether it's sickness or, or if it's finances or if it's family problems, I'm telling you, God's able to take care of it right here, right now, if you just believe him. Oh, God. Woo. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I find it interesting. I find it interesting that in verse 22, this father said, Lord, if you can. Put verse 22 back up there. Lord, if you can. But if thou canst do anything, if you can, Lord, would you help me if you can? And Jesus turned the tables. And in verse 23, he said unto him, can I paraphrase? It's not if I can. It's if you can. There's no question about what I can do. The question is, can you believe it? Man thought that he would put all of the responsibility on Jesus, but Jesus turned right around and handed it back to the man. And he said, I'm going to tell you, I can do anything you need me to do. I can take care of any problem you've got. You can't name a problem that I can't fix. It's not about if I can, it's about if you can. Hear me tonight, new life. What is it you want God to do? What is it that we've been praying for God to do around here? I'm telling you, God can do anything. All things are possible to him that believeth. It's not about whether God can. It's about whether we can. Jesus said there's only one thing necessary here. There's only one thing that's necessary. If thou canst believe. That's my title, by the way. If thou canst believe. All right? Because he'll come ask me after service. So what I'm thinking about it. If thou. I'm going to tell you that's the key, church. And, and in fact, I could go through scriptures tonight. I've got scriptures here. I, I could show you. I could show you examples. Let me give you just one. Matthew chapter 9, verses 27 to 29. Read. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, Thou son of David have mercy, have on, mercy us. on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus saith to Jesus them, said to them, Believe ye that I am able to do Here this? it is again. There was no question about whether Jesus could. But he said, I want to know if you can. Can you believe that I am able to take care of this problem right now? Can you believe it? They, said, they said to him, Yea, Lord. Yea, Lord. Then touched he their then eyes. touched he their eyes. Saying, and this is what he faith, said. According to your faith. Be it unto you. Be it unto you. Jesus said it has nothing to do with my ability. My ability goes beyond what you can even think. My ability goes beyond what you can comprehend. I couldn't put it in words that you could understand just how great my ability is is it's not about whether I'm able it's about whether you're able because I will do whatever you can believe me to do oh hallelujah I'm telling you if we can believe it God can do it if we can believe it because he can do what we 
don't believe. But if we believe it, God will do it. If we can believe it, church. Well, praise God. In fact, Hebrews 11 and 6 says this. But without faith. Without faith. It is impossible to please him. Look, look, I don't care what your quote-unquote record is. All right? You may have perfect attendance. Um, It's kind of like, I don't know if you ever heard that old song. Used to, years ago, they used to give a pin every year to people who had perfect attendance, and they would just add on to that, you know. And I heard a man wrote a song about this guy that had been he had perfect attendance every year for I don't know how many years until the pen reached the floor and said then the man no longer had perfect attendance because he tripped over the pen and broke his leg. So anyhow, I don't know what that's got to do with anything, but there it is. I don't, it doesn't matter what your record is. You, you may be putting $100 bills in the offering plate. You may meet every standard that's preached. But here's what he said. Read it. But without faith. Without. Without faith. It is. Impossible. You can do all you want to do, church. You can look the way you want to look. You can act the way you want to act. But if we don't have faith, God's not pleased. I'll say it again. If we don't have faith, God is not pleased. Without faith, it is impossible. It can't be done. Without faith, it is impossible to believe, to please him. For he that cometh to God, what? Must believe. Wait, he that cometh to God, what? Must. Must. Everybody say must. He that cometh to God must believe. If you want God to have a smile on his face, there's one thing God wants to see before anything else. Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe? He that cometh to God must believe. Must believe. I don't have time to do this message justice tonight, but we'll do what we can. He that cometh to God must believe. And according to the author of Hebrews, there are two things we must believe in order to please God, right? Now, it's, it's easy to say without faith it's impossible to please God. But we've got to understand the kind of faith the apostle was speaking of. He defines that kind of faith. We've all got faith. The Bible says that to every man is given a measure of faith. Everybody's got some faith. So this is not just talking about general faith. But there, is, there are certain things we must believe. Certain things that must be a part of our faith. Without faith it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God. You see the word for. He's explaining what he just said. Without faith it's impossible to please him. Why? Because he that comes to God must believe, number one, that he is. You must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Well, praise God. There's two things we've got to believe, Brother Sisler. We've got to believe that he is. And we've got to believe he's a rewarder. 
if we will diligently seek him. Let's talk about that for just a few moments tonight. I'm watching the clock, I promise you. But, but what exactly did the apostle mean when he said that it is required of us? You see that? It's impossible to please God if you don't believe these two things. You're not, I don't care what you do, you're not going to please God if you don't believe these two things. Well, it got quiet all of a sudden. Is that the sound of conviction falling or what, what is that? Hallelujah. All right, all right, all right. What did he mean when he said you must believe that God is? I used to think that he was simply talking about God's existence. God exists. You got to believe that God exists. I mean, that makes sense. You know, there are people who say they don't believe God exists. I don't know if I believe them, but they say it. They don't believe there is a God. And so I used to think that's what he's saying. Number one, you just got to believe that God exists. That's important. The Bible said the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So you got to believe that God exists. But I don't think that's what he's saying. When I look at this verse, I think there's more to it than this. We have to believe that he is. Now think about this. I don't want to give you a grammar lesson tonight, all right? But, but I need to give you a few grammar pointers. When we read that we must believe that he is, we are speaking in the third person. We're talking about him. All right? Now, if we then put the third person in the first person, he is becomes what? I am. Unless we believe that he is, I am. Well, all right, all right. Give me a few minutes. Let me develop this, all right? We got to believe that he is the I am. Now, what does that mean? Well, let's go back. Exodus 2. I'm going to try to do this quickly. Exodus 2, ver uh, I'm sorry, 3, verses 2 and 3. Exodus 3, verses 2 and 3. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside. And see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. All right, now, we, we know Moses, Moses is out here on the backside of the desert. He's run away. He spent 40 years uh, really just being nobody. He was the son of Pharaoh for 40 years. He was a somebody. But now he spent 40 years just becoming a nobody. Well, that's right. In fact, let me just throw this in free of charge. There are really three parts to Moses' life and each of them lasted 40 years. 40 years he spent as a somebody. He was the son of Pharaoh, son of Pharaoh's daughter. 40 years he was a somebody. For 40 years, all he did was tend his father-in-law's sheep on the backside of the desert. So for the second 40 years of his life, he was nobody. And then at the end of that 40 years, God said, I'm gonna show the world what I can do with a nobody. I can't use you, Moses, while you still think you're somebody. That's why you're getting out there killing Egyptians. You're getting out there trying, you're trying to do this all on your own. I can't use a somebody, but I can use a nobody. 
Well, hallelujah. Isn't that what had to happen to Joseph? He's coming out bragging about his dreams. Everybody's going to bow down to me. And God said, all right, fine. You're going to be proud of who you are. I'm going to show you you're not anybody. And when Joseph finally got to the place that he understood he was a nobody, then God started using that nobody. Well, it's another message for another day, but anyhow, it is what it is. <laughs> Whatever happened to pride? Um, it's a book Elder Picklesheimer wrote. It was really a sermon that he preached and he said, he said, you know, is, is pride like tuberculosis? We don't ever, or the plague. You know, the plague killed thousands of years ago. We don't ever hear anybody talking about the plague anymore. It got eradicated. So we don't talk about the things that don't exist. So I guess since nobody's preaching against pride, we must have eradicated it like we did the plague. Well, no. We still need to hear about it because God still hates it. I mean, he really does. He hates it. The Bible says God resists the proud. That means he pushes you away. All right, back to, I, I'll never get this done. So here's Moses, who is a nobody at this moment. God hadn't yet started showing him, but God's let him spend 40 years. Nobody knows him. Nobody looks up to him. Nobody respects him. He is a nobody. And then he's out there one day, and he sees a sight, and he sees a bush that seems to be burning. There's fire there, but the bush never gets burnt up. And Moses said in verse 3, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. Now, I want you to look at verse 4. Look at it very carefully. And when the Lord saw that he turned Now, aside. look at this. When the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to see, God called to him. Then God called to him. Out of the midst of the bush. God didn't say anything to Moses until Moses showed some interest. Moses was within earshot, especially the voice of God. Right? He was close enough. If he was close enough to see the burning bush, he was close enough to hear the burning bush. And he could have been just tending the sheep with his back to it and, and said, well, that's kind of a strange sight. I think I'll forget about that and start down the road. God said, hey, wait a minute, Moses. But that's not what happened. The Bible said it wasn't until God saw that Moses had enough interest that he turned aside. It was then that God spoke to him and began to reveal himself to him. Listen to me, church. What God did that night or that day, what God did is he wet Moses' appetite for the power of God. He gave him just enough to create an interest. But God said, I want to see just how interested you are. 
We've heard a lot of preaching about revival. And I'm going to tell you, even in this service tonight, God's wet our appetite. And he's come in service after service, wetting our appetite. But you know what he's waiting on? He's waiting on somebody to turn aside and say, look, I'm not just going to listen to it from a distance. I'm going to get as close to it as I can get. I want to see this thing. I want to understand this. I want to experience this. I was in a church. Almost 30 years ago now, I was, I was in a church service someplace between Mexico and Canada. So see if you can figure that out. If that doesn't help you, it was between the Atlantic and the Pacific, all right? So maybe that will narrow it down a little more. But in that service, there was a message in tongues, an interpretation of tongues. I wrote it down. I didn't ever want to forget this. In fact, I've got the date written down. It was a Sunday, July the 9th, 1989. And the Lord spoke to that church. And here's what he said. I want to send you a revival. If I could just see a desire, I would send you a revival. That shook me to my core. God said, I'm wanting to do it for this church. I've got a desire. But see, here's what happened. The bush is burning, but you're still going about your merry way. I got these sheep to tend to. I got all these other things that are occupying my mind and my attention. But when the Lord saw that Moses said, I'm willing to forget everything else. I'm willing to forget my goals, my dreams. I got to know about this burning bush. I got to get acquainted with this burning bush. There's something different here that I've never experienced before. And I got to find out what it is. I wonder tonight. I know there's a desire for revival, but I wonder tonight just how strong that desire is. I believe, I believe that God can't lie. So, so he wasn't lying that night. But, but he didn't say that they had none. I believe what the Lord was saying to them was, yeah, you know, you've got a desire. But it's kind of like, you know, I, I don't know, I've got a desire to go to Ireland. I'd like to go there someday but I don't desire it enough to make the sacrifice to raise the money to get there. You understand? I've got a desire. But you know, a few years ago, I had a desire to go to Israel. And you know what I did? I sold my car. Went and bought an old car that I could pay cash for and take the rest of that money to use it because it was more than just a desire I said I'm going to do whatever I've got to do I'm going to get there and I'm glad I did well hallelujah I'm telling you church I have a desire to go to Ireland but it, it's not enough of a desire for me to really do anything about it and if I die and never set foot on any part of the Irish Isles then I'm going to tell you I'm not going to die a disappointed man it would just be nice to add that to my, what do they say, bucket list. You know, it'd be nice. But it's not something I got to do. 
And I'm telling you, that's what God is looking for when he is ready to send the church a revival. He wants to know, are you willing to sell your car? Are you willing to get rid of this? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to pay a price? Or is it just something you want to talk about and shout about and say amen about? Well, look, Moses had to get rid of some things. Exodus chapter three, verse five. Very next verse, see, this goes four, five. See, you're not only getting English lessons, you're getting math lessons. And he said, draw not nigh hither. God said, I see that you're wanting to come over here. I see that you want to be a part of this. But Moses, you're not ready for this. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. Moses I know and I am thrilled that you stop what you're doing I'm thrilled that you've got a desire to know more but I want to tell you you're not ready yet draw not nigh hither first do what Put off thy shoes. First, put off your shoes from off thy feet. Off thy feet the because the place where you're standing ground. is holy ground. There's some things you're going to have to shake off. There's some things you're going to have to take off. There's some changes you're going to have to make in your life, Moses. If you really want what I'm about to give you, you're going to have to be willing to lay some things aside. Really, that's the only way we know just how deep the desire is. Do you want it bad enough to pull your sandals off? Do you want it bad enough to recognize that where you're headed is a much more holy place than where you've ever walked before? Oh, I hope somebody's hearing Tonight, I hope that having ears to hear, you are hearing what I'm preaching to you. I'm telling you, God has got an open door for this church. God's got some things he wants to do in this church. God wants to show this church his glory. He wants to reveal himself to this church like never before. But he's saying, how bad do you want it? Are you willing to pay a price? Are you willing to make a sacrifice? Are you willing to lay a few things down? Are you willing to give up a few things? Are you willing? Well, I lost some of you. It's not nine o'clock yet, but I've lost some of you already tonight. Amen. I'm just telling you, if we really want it, it's a holier place than where we've been. It's a more sanctified place than where we've been. And we're not going to get there living like we've always lived. But if we're going to get there, we're going to pay a greater price. We're going to do some things we've never done. We're going to lay some things down we didn't want to lay down. We're going to show God this fire is more important to me than anything or anybody. This revival means more to me than any of my possessions, than any of my pastimes. Oh, help me tonight, Jesus. Come on, new life. There's a bush burning here tonight. There's a fire that's blazing here tonight. But God's saying, is there anybody that's really willing to make some sacrifices? Oh, God, I feel like I could explode right now. Woo! 
Are you content to stay where you've always stayed? To be like you've always been? Just to keep dreaming about revival? Just to keep talking about revival? Or are you ready when 2017 comes around? It's going to be a different year. Not because God is different, but because we are different. We're paying a price. We're going farther. We're doing more. Oh, let's praise him for a moment. Let's praise him. Hallelujah. 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 I'm telling you, it's there, church. I'm telling you, I can see it. I can hear the crackling of the fire. I can smell the smoke as it's coming up. I know, I know there's something different that is right there within our grasp tonight. This is not the same opportunity we've always had. It's not even the same opportunity we've ever had. But now, now we're approaching a special place in God. And God says, are you ready, new life? Are you really ready? I'm telling you, God's in this place right now. He's wanting to know who's going to draw closer, who's going to come closer, who's going to take their sandals off, who wants it bad enough. I'm tired of dreaming about it, Brother Sisler. I'm tired. Thank God for the dream he gave you. Thank God for the visions he's given me. But I'm tired of just seeing visions and dreaming dreams. I'm ready to have it in my hands. I'm ready to experience it. Come on, we're not going to get there being like we've always been. We're not going to get there just staying the same as we've always stayed. It's not going to happen that way, church. <laughs> 